0: We're going to jump right into a little session on renunciation and authority. And for this session, we have Brother Jude. We are so blessed and grateful to have the brothers join us sometimes. Maybe someday you you guys can move here. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Oh yeah, we just love the brothers. And Brother Jude has just been like a long-standing. I just feel like you're a staple in the brotherhood. And we were talking, he was like, they won't let me move out of New Jersey. Like, they know better.
1: They don't trust me anywhere else.
0: They don't trust you anywhere else. But we are always very blessed when you come and visit. And Brother Jude, um, one thing I know about Brother Jude is that you have such a pastoral heart mm-hmm. for people. The number of people that I talk to that have experienced you and the way that you care for them and pe- both people serving in new jersey or who have left and you know right. many friends who have just expressed such gratitude for your fatherly um care for them so thank you we're just excited to get to hear from you and hear what you have so let's pray sure really quick in God, come to you this day. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for our brother Jude. We pray that um, his words would be your words, that to each of us you would speak, that it would be you, Lord, who speaks to us in our heart. Um, and we pray just um, for freedom in this room and that you would have your way with us. We pray for your protection over us
1: this afternoon in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Danny, can you unlock your phone? <laughs> there you go. For uh... Thank you. There we go. It's great to be here. I with with Brother Brennan, I really experienced here a real like receptivity to the Lord and a real vulnerability uh, amongst the, the men and women I've spoken to. And I, I really think your hearts are open to experience God in power already, but I think tonight is going to just be an awesome experience of the Lord. So um, I, I just a little uh, little kind of just glory story to begin with. You know, there been a lot of talk uh, around SBO circles about missional communities, and, uh, and I think it's right on. I think it's of the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes, we, we kind of, at least in our own mind, my mind, we can limit missional community to, like, freshmen to 35. We can limit it to young adults. Um, but I can tell you this is a wonderful story about how missional community changed a 94-year-old woman. Wow. And we, uh, last Lent, this old lady who start, started coming to Mass out of nowhere, and she was taking a taxi every day to 7:30 mass, and she had a cane, and she would walk up the aisle, and she would sit there, and she would come, receive communion, leave, take a taxi back to her home, you know. And so, like, where did this person come from? I mean, we have never ever seen her before. And uh, so, but Father Jay, or Pastor, like, he just something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. And because she would go up to communion, and she like grabbed like that, and she walked back to her chair, you know? So um, Father Jay, being a very wise man, very good man, um, he left the task to Sister Lorraine to find out what's going on, all right? And uh, so Sister Lorraine is the head of the RCIA. And uh, so her name is Sophie. Her name is Sophie. And um, so she asked her, uh, Sophie, where are you from? Poland. And said, "Uh, How long have you been in this country? 60 years. And uh, she says, Are you Catholic? No, I'm Jewish. Jewish? (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, she had been coming to communion like three or four weeks, you know, every day. And uh, so she begins to tell her story, and she was a Holocaust survivor. And the Nazis were pursuing her, and she took shelter in a Catholic church. And there, by the statue of the Blessed Virgin, experience real love, like really real love. And eventually, I still don't know the whole story how she got to the United States, but she married a man who taught at Rutgers University. And they were married for 60 years, and he died about six years ago, all right? So when uh, this was like maybe a month before Easter, when Father Jay um, heard the story, he said to her, do you want to become a Catholic, Sophie? Yeah, I want to become a Catholic. Okay, this Easter, you're becoming a Catholic. The fastest RCIA in history, (laughs) all right? She went for about four weeks of instruction. But every day, our missionaries, our students, our people around would crowd around her as she came out. Brother Joe asked me, like, I'm Polish, so she said to me, like, what should we call her? Call her grandma? I said, no, do not call her grandma. I said, we'll call her aunt. So the Polish word for aunt is chachi. So we, we called her Chuchi Chuchi Sophie. And, I mean, she'd kiss us all the time. We'd kiss her. And, uh, and then she would get a taxi in the morning, but someone would always take her back. Usually this married couple would take her back. Sometimes missionaries would take her back, back home to get her back to her house. Well, Sophie is now in decline. Sophie is in a nursing home. Sophie is uh, starting to, you know, get towards her time with the Lord, all right? But look how God worked, all right? And look how God worked through a mission, through young people, through a parish, all right? To bring this daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem, back to a fulfillment in Christ, all right? That's what's possible. That's what's possible. So pray for Sophie as she gets closer to her meeting with Jesus, who she loves, and, uh, uh, and then continue to pray for her missional communities all over. So, amen. Well, we have heard a lot today and everything was excellent last night. And again, just to reiterate, you know, we are in a battle. Let's not be surprised when we're in a battle, but let's not be afraid of the battle because the battle has been won. And also, as I said before, let's just keep our minds always focused on the end. Okay, the end is union with God. All right. The end is union with God. That's why we're doing all of this. Matter of fact, that's why SBO exists all right? Union with God. That's why the church exists, union with God. So ultimately, all the choices we make need to go one purpose, union with God. Our vocational choices, our careers, union with God. It's that simple. It's that simple, all right? So why, uh, why do we need deliverance? Why do we need healing? Like, what happened? What happened? Like, What happened from Adam and Eve, and what happened from you know why question like you know why does bad things happen to good people, or why did not why did God just not make us perfect to begin with, and these are legitimate questions that people have been asking for two thousand years, some for four thousand years. So every generation asks these same questions. All right, and I want to start by talking about the gift of time. The gift of time. Time is created. All right? In Genesis, when God created the world in 7 days, that's when time came on the scene. And we have to think about it, but but why time? Why time? Well, it's clear in Genesis that God created the world and human beings unfinished. All right? Unfinished, right? Go forth and multiply, take dominion over the earth, all right? Things are unfinished, all right? And it's clear by Adam and Eve's sin, that they were unfinished. All right? They were unfinished. All right? So there's some connection between time and some unfinished business that God has with us. There's some connection with time, uh, and there's something he wants to accomplish in us. And so this understanding of time is we're unfinished, unfinished. All right. Now, why are we unfinished? Well, if God created us perfect, if God created us as the new Adam or the new Eve, we would know about God's love, but we wouldn't learn how to love. The reason why we have time is to learn how to love. Okay? That's why we have time, to learn how to love. And where is it in time that we learn how to love? We learn how to love in the moment, in the present moment. If we look at our lives, you know, I was born in 1959. I'm still alive. Do the math. I'm 63, all right, all right, all right. Now, I love going to cemeteries. I love going to cemeteries. It's awesome. And, and I have a neighborhood cemetery. Like, two of my male men are buried there, all right? Uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents are all buried in the same cemetery. And I walk the stones. And I see your birth, year of death. All right? And there's a hyphen there. Year of birth, year of death. And oftentimes I cut the year, I count the years and I say, that was seventy-eight Thanksgivings, that was sixty-three Christmases, that was this was human life here. This was human life, all right? But we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that we come from eternity and are going to eternity. All right? We come from the word of God that was in, we were in his mind for all eternity. We're going to him in infinity and eternity, and this is just a break, a sliver of time that we're here. And all he asks us to do is to learn how to love him. And so, And so, what does this continuum look like? And why do we sometimes get held up on, in time? Well, let's look at time. The beginning is the father. So the past belongs to the Father. all right? The past belongs to the Father, all right? Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the end of all time, okay? Holy Spirit is right in the moment, all right? Brothers and sisters, one of the things that we're going to be doing as we pray later on tonight was, is, is coming against those things in our past, coming against those wounds, those brokenness, those hurts, those sinfulness in our past, right? And the reason why we can do that is because Jesus has taken care of it. He's redeemed it. It's done. It's done. The other thing is, there's no, no reason for us to fear the future. Why? Because the future is coming to us. The future is Jesus. Yes, practically, you have to plan for the future. Yes, it's good to have life insurance. It's good to save for a car. You know, it's good to pay off your student loans. All right? Really good. Really good stuff. But spiritually, you don't have to worry about the future, because spiritually, the future is coming to you. All right. So, what does that leave us? Living in the moment, living in the moment, the sacrament of the moment. And what is that? That's the Holy Spirit crying out in our heart, Abba, Father. Brothers and sisters, when the Holy Spirit is crying in our heart, Abba, Father, and when we're allowing the Holy Spirit that intimacy with the Father, all right, that's when we step into eternity, right? That's when we're right where God wants us. That's where he wants us to remain, all right? That's union with God, and brothers and sisters, that is possible on this earth, all right? It's possible in our lives because why? The saints testify to it. Many of the saints testify to it. All right. So this is where we want to be, all right? We want to be in union with God. Now, are we in union with God? Well, sometimes. <laughs> I be I be I'm a sinner, I'm a broken man, I'm wounded, all right? You know, my mind goes to crazy places. I do stupid things, I hurt people, all right? That's the reality of it, but that doesn't mean we keep on the attempt to be in union with God. So what's you know, what's the obstacle in the way? Now you're all aware of this, but but let me just drive it home a little farther. All right. In Romans seven, the famous diatribe of St. Paul, uh, he says, "I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I should do. Wretch that I am." Okay, and what does he say? He says, Paul says, "I know." It's not I who sin, but sin in me that causes me to sin. All right, so so I do the things I don't want to do. But he talks about this sin that causes me to sin. And what is that? What is that? Okay, take a guess. What is the sin that causes us to sin? Concupiscence. concupiscence. Right. I've, I've been doing this lately. Uh, you guys remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you say concupiscence? <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> 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 That's a great act. Concupiscence, yeah, and so you know, why you know what is this concupiscence? You know, well, quite frankly, it just goes back. It goes back to Genesis. I'm going to kill myself here. There you go. Uh, I'll, I'll avoid that. You Should put a cone there or something. You know? <laughs> please, please. No, it goes back to Genesis. So, so you know, we went through you know Eve eating eating the fruit, and then okay, original sin enters the world. Okay. But what is the first thing they did? The first thing they did was graphically cover their genitals. That's what they did, all right? Because that's the original break between man and woman. And it's still being reconciled today, brothers and sisters, all right? So when there's, you know, marriage issues and dating issues and mother and father and sister and brother issues, believe me, it goes back to Genesis. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. But the second thing they did was they hid. They hid. And why did they hide? Well, they were in the midst of the most secure relationship with God any person could ever want. And when that relationship was broken by their violation, they were exposed. They were exposed. And they hid. And what does God say? God says, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. But Adam and Eve didn't know where they were anymore because they broke their relationship with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's an image of us. We have been hiding ever since. And why did they hide? Because they were exposed. They were shamed. Okay? They thought they were no longer worthy of being loved. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Okay. So, concupiscence is nothing more or nothing less than fear of exposure. And, brothers and sisters, Every single one of us has it. Every single one of us has it, all right? And how does this fear of exposure play itself out? And this is how we begin to see the need for healing and deliverance. Two ways was mentioned before, self-reliance and unforgiveness. Those are the two remnants, or those are the two fruits of concupiscence, Okay. Self-reliance, what is that? I think I can save myself. Self re- self-reliance is not like, go to college, go to Ohio State, become an engineer, get a job, get married, go to Florida State, watch football games, go get unemployed, and then. <laughs> oh. 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 Oh, oh. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I thought thought there was a a carbohydrate coma happening, so I had to wake up the crowd a little bit here. I'm part of the the scholars from from Florida State. Um, Where were we? So unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, Okay. I'm sorry. Self-reliance and unforgiveness. I'll remember. Uh, Senior moment here. (laughs) <laughs> self-reliance, self-reliance is a freight train. You start with self-reliance, you go to self-condemnation, you go to self-hatred, and then you go to despair. Right? Okay. Why? Why? Because in self-reliance, we think we can save ourselves. So, we get out there, we get outside of God's will, and then all of a sudden we realize life is a little uncomfortable. Things aren't working out the way I intended. Why? because you're outside of God's will. But you don't know that yet. So what do you do? You beat yourself up. You condemn yourself. Why? Because you are condemning yourself for your own sin instead of Jesus. All right? And so we condemn ourselves because we think we have to die for our own sins. And we can't die for our own sins. So then it turns into us and we become, we start to hate ourselves. All right? All right? That's the progression of self-reliance. All right? Okay. Okay. Then, what happens with self reliance is we hurt people. When we're trying to save ourselves and protect ourselves and hide from people, we walk all over people. We do. I've done it. I've hurt people. All right? And that begins the unforgiveness. And then, in healing prayer, in deliverance prayer, the two major sins will always come down to self reliance and forgiveness. Why? Because self-reliance and unforgiveness bring us on so much pain that now it's time to bring on the seven deadly sins. All right? I'm in so much pain, I hate myself, whatever it might be, I need relief from my pain. So bring it on, whatever it is, avarice, lust, greed, whatever it is, hedonism. All right? But do you see, that, those are just symptoms. You know, those are just symptoms. That's why if, if some of that stuff is incorporated in our life, like, go to the root. Don't worry about the, about the seven deadly sins. Go to the root. I haven't been loved. I haven't received love. And that's where our healing begins. So the good news. Jesus, when he died on the cross, was naked. Completely naked to his mother, his disciples, the Romans, the Jewish people. He was exposed so that we no longer have to be exposed, brothers and sisters. All right? We no longer have to hide because Jesus was exposed for us. Now we hide behind him. Now he does the battle for us. All right. And so how do we begin to incorporate this, this great work that Christ has done? He exposing himself for us. It starts with baptism. It starts with baptism. All right. And the interesting thing, we often think about baptism as, you know, nice little baby, in white white lace outfit, go there, baptize the kid, you know, and have a party afterwards, all right? That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But baptism is a death. Like, like the water at baptism represents two things. It represents cleansing of original sin, but drowning, death. I mean, that's why the early church, it was submerge the person, all right? Okay? So we have died in baptism. We have died in baptism. So so what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, Galatians 2.20, what does St. Paul say? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives within me. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me, all right? As my spiritual rector says to me, brother, stay dead. Okay? Brother, stay dead. All right? And I say that to everyone, you know, uh, when we're struggling with self reliance, stay dead. All right? Why? Okay, if, if I no longer live, Christ lives within me, then I must be Christ. Okay? I must be Christ in my relationship with Him. I still am Brother Jude. I still am six foot one. I still am Polish. I'm still from Jersey, but it's Christ that animates me. Because Jude can't save himself. Only Christ can. So, therefore, Jude has to die. Jude must be dead, right? And so, as we bring on, start to understand this death to self, all of a sudden, we begin to have an authority over evil spirits. Why? Because it's not our authority, it's Christ's authority. So, if you're Christ and you're animated by the person of Christ, right? You have authority over wounds. You have authority in your own lives over, over spirits, all right? That is the freedom that our Father in Heaven cre- de- designed for us so that we would come to know and love Him and that we could begin the process of being finished in the Lord, in the Lord, okay? So this is our authority, and every baptized person has this authority, all right? And also, in certain cases, you have this authority for other people. So married men and women have authority over their children. And they have authority over each other because of the bond of the sacrament. For us as single people, we have authority over ourselves, and we can always intercede. We're two or more gathered in the name, there, we, there is Jesus with us. All right. So there's real power here. right? And what we're talking about now, Satan is shivering. Baptism, pouring water, he shivers. He shivers because he knows that's where the transformation of the person really happens so this is our authority but how do we use this authority how do we use this authority well some of this was mentioned already but we need to know some about what we're dealing with here and in all of our lives we need to look carefully at what are the entry points in my life in which Either I allowed, or I began to be harassed by evil spirits. All right, by evil spirits. Now, when we talk about deliverance, we are not talking about exorcism. All right, that's a whole different that's a whole different ball of wax. All right, but we're talking about is the everyday spiritual battles, the everyday harassments that we deal with. And so, you know, what are those entry points? And also, how does he act? We heard this morning about how he acts in the third, in, in the first world. He acts. Um, Basically, through our imagination, because we don't believe he exists. In the third world, it's real demonic manifestations that cause fear in people, all right? But here, I mean, he uses our imagination. And the evil one has watched you for every moment since your conception. He knows how you were conceived, he knows all about your gestation, he knows everything about every wound, bump, hurt, and he knows exactly what to suggest in your imagination to slow your relationship with God down or stop it, all right? That's his plan. That's his plan, all right? So, but our weapon is the Holy Spirit. And so we need to look closely at these entry points. Okay, what are the spirits that we experience every day? So, for instance, in my, in my sense, you know, some, if my witness is, is um, I don't have time for a witness today, but one of, the, one of the entry points in my own life was the death of my mother when I was a baby. All right? And I have experienced through that a lot of abandonment, rejection, orphan spirit. And I'm 63 years old, and I still have to cast those spirits out almost daily. All right? Brothers and sisters, this is normative. All right? This is normative. We have to know the spirits that are harassing us. All right? Then we have to think more about vows. Okay? Like in our lives, are there people we have contempt for, I mean contempt for, right? People that as soon as we think about them or something they did to us, we just cringe, Okay, That's a vow. That's a vow. And I can tell you that played out in my life. I had a relative who was an alcoholic, whose father was an alcoholic, whose grandfather was an alcoholic. And I went over to her house one Easter, and uh, I, I kissed her, I brought her a gift, And she sat down and started screaming at me, just screaming at me. And believe it or not, you know, as Jersey as I am, I was completely serene. And I just listened, (laughs) and I watched, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, that's not her. That's her father. That's her father. And she made a vow. And what that vow was, I hate my father, and I will never be like him. And when you don't forgive, you can become just like the person you don't forgive. That's why we got to break these vows in our life if we have them, brothers and sisters. And believe it. This is not right. some people; they're unscathed by those things. That's fine. That's fine. I hope so. I hope so. Then also, the lies. We all have nonstop. We used to call them broken records, but I'm probably dating myself. All right. We have nonstop podcasts in our mind. That. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Nonstop podcasts that are always accusing us, as we, heard the part, as we heard the talk this morning, all right, the lies. Okay, I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not wanted. I'm not desired. I'll never account to anything. I'll never amount to anything, all right? And brothers and sisters, those are lies. And, you know, sometimes we don't even know they're there. They just go on and on. And also they pull us one direction, and they pull us in another direction, and they pull us to sin. So we have to be aware of those lies, we talked about a cult, okay, and the cult, if there's any, like, Ouija boards or things like that, uh, any kind of seance stuff, you know, that's something you need to renounce because you never know with the spirits that you pick up in those things. And lastly, soul ties, soul ties. And what soul ties are usually have to do with sexual relationships and how we've given, to, given, given ourselves to one another in a sexual way outside of marriage, and we've given away ourselves in a way that is deeply wounding, deeply wounding, all right? And I've seen personally, when people break those soul ties, they get free. They get free. And so to think about that, to think about that, knowing Jesus loves you, Jesus forgives the sin, but he just wants to, he just wants to clear up the heart so you can be in union with him. So these are some of the things we need to think about in deliverance. Okay, renunciation. Renunciation renunciation. Now, there is this famous story. Some people say it's Jonathan Edwards. Some people say it's D.L. Moody. Whoever it was, this story makes a lot of sense. He's in bed one night with his wife, and he hears a commotion on the first floor of his house. His wife wakes him up and says, Jonathan, you got to get up. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of racket downstairs. So he gets up, goes downstairs, and all of a sudden, there is Satan sitting in his chair. And he looks at Satan and says, it's only you. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> right back to bed. Why? He knew that Jesus had the victory. He has nothing to fear. I mean, all these exorcist movies and all this stuff, like, just Jesus, like, boom, gone, done, finished, all right? So we can renounce, right? Because Satan is defeated by the name of Jesus. All we need to say is the name of Jesus. I renounce you in the name of Jesus. And it's done. There's power in that name. And so when we're, we're asking for healing, or even when we're personally praying, when we're personally, like in personal prayer, we get distracted. In the name of Jesus, I cast this out. In the name of Jesus, I cast this out. There's power there. There's power. It's the only, it's the only weapon you know, we have. So these renunciations are important. And both in repentance and both in forgiveness, we can only forgive fully, we can only rep- repent fully when we use Jesus' name. It's His power in us, not our power. So, in conclusion, expectations, all right? Expectations, all right? Well, when we ask to be healed, we have to make sure that our motivations are pure, all right? We're not getting healed so I can like. move on my vocation. I'm not getting healed because I can get a better job. I'm not getting healed because I want to do my will. The reason why we want to get healed, the reason why I want to get freed, is because we want to do the Father's will. And if we do the Father's will, the location, the career, the education, the money will take care of themselves. All right. So we want to make sure we have pure motivations. I want freedom in Christ. All right. Also realize that After we're healed, after we're prayed with, okay, sometimes we have to wear it a while, all right? Sometimes it takes a while before we start getting used to acting and living in a different way, all right? And so we need to give God, we have to have patience. And also, whenever we move towards God, there's a counter moving against against us. Don't be surprised if you're tempted. Nothing happened, Renee, Okay? Nothing happened, Gavin. All right. That's what the evil one's gonna whisper in your ears. But something did happen because you used Jesus' name. So expectations are important, all right? So in closing, just to say, all right, we're gonna have, we're preparing for a powerful time tonight, all right? And I would just say throughout this day, just think from here on in, okay, how much my father in heaven loves me and how much he wants to free me and what that freedom's gonna look like. Amen.